boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Talking Greyhounds. Trent Mason Elder with you. Joining me as she does each and every week is Simone Fisher. G'day, Simone. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Trent. And gee, isn't Melbourne buzzing at the moment? All these people here for the football final today. Yeah, absolutely. Grand final day. Good luck if your team is involved. But we are Talking Greyhounds. What's coming up on today's show? Today I'll be chatting to Des Dooley. He's the manager of the Sale Greyhound Racing Club about the wonderful Agrant Senor who left us for the big racetrack in the sky last week. And also Robert Britton. He'll be giving us a lowdown on both his chases, Tornado Tears and Rip and Sam, regarding their injuries. So you mentioned El Gran Senor there. Let's kick off uh, with him as the uh, big news of the week. It certainly is big news. Um, less than 12 months ago, he was inducted into Greyhound Racing's Hall of Fame, but um, the passing of him has been most unexpected. It was due to cancer and a shock to everyone, including owner-trainer Carolyn Jones. So osteosarcoma is the clinical name given to the cancer that he had in his right tibia, which is in his hind leg. With this cancer, by the time the clinical signs are visible, that is lameness or a lump, the cancer has metastasized, which means it has already spread to the lungs. So the options are amputation for the pain and chemotherapy. But given that the cancer is already in the lungs, it is only a matter of time because it will eventually cause death in the short term. So given his age at 10 and a half, which really isn't old these days for greyhounds, we're seeing them live up to 12, 13, 14 now as pets. Um, he was an absolute picture of health and the way Carolyn has looked after her greyhounds all her life and her animals is just such a credit to her. And uh, I know her decision, although it would have been the most difficult thing she's ever had to do, would have only have been for the best interest of the dog. So I was thinking back, like less than 12 months ago, we're at this Hall of Fame. I was up there doing the presentation, inducting him, and um, gee, how things can really turn mm. around. I was so privileged to do that. But his Melbourne Cup win in 2011 is still regarded as one of the best ever. He's sired a Melbourne Cup winner in Ando's Mac. I think that was about 2016. He's the grandsire of Big Flood. Um, he has thrown some very, very handy dogs. So we'll take a more in-depth look at his actual race career shortly with Des because I know Des has been a huge fan of this greyhound throughout his career. Yeah, he certainly left a legacy, that is for sure. He was a star. Another star is Tornado Tears. Tell me more. Well, did you see that win in the Top Cat video final on yeah, Saturday just, night? Just um, did what he does. Yeah, um, he just, it was a frustrating run, I guess, because he refused to go around the runners, didn't he? He just was looking for that inside run through the rails and um, it did happen. The opening occurred and I think that's why we should just let the dogs do the racing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of um, frustrated people from the sidelines, but it was an outstanding run and also Aller Enchanted, uh, a rising star, a terrific run from her too, but... As we've heard, both greyhounds will be out with injuries for six to eight weeks. Um, they'll miss the Top Gun for the Stayers, the Bold Trees and the Sydney Cup. So we'll hear more about it uh, shortly from Robert. Yeah, that's Tornado Tears and Rip and Sam you're referring to there. Uh, the Vic Dogs did well at Wentworth Park last Saturday night. They sure did for this million-dollar race. They won all five heats. Benali for Robert Britton was outstanding, recording a flying 29-12 and a 10-length victory at the Glebe Circuit. And Kettlemate Not Available ran 29-59. Corey Grenfell took home three winners, Dinah Chancer, Orson Allen and Dinah Terra. And there's other heats on tonight, Trent, and there's many Victorians heading up there again. So I, I think we might dom dominate this um 
this race. Who knows? We had the Melbourne Cup preludes <laughs> at Sandown on Thursday night. Yeah, more great performances. So we can expect to see some terrific racing coming out of Sandown over the next six to eight weeks in a lead-up to the Cup. And the uh, let's talk Top Gun now, and the panel will start to assemble to uh, look at a list of invitees. Yes, they will. It's less than a month away now, the Top Gun, at the Meadows for both the sprinters and stayers. So probably going to make it, um, I don't know, easier for some people to get a run in the stayers now, take yeah, out the true. two top picks. So it opens it up for a couple of people who perhaps may have been you know, ninth and tenth pick. So we look forward to seeing those come out during the next couple of weeks. Um, I paid a visit to the Gap Dogs at the Royal Melbourne Show last weekend. Uh, a terrific display there. It was almost a cityscape scene that was done as the backdrop um, with hounds lazing around while there's you know, people on these uh, this scene having cups of coffee and that's so perfect because they do like to head out for a walk and um, then just lay under a chair and you yeah, can they sip just your latte. <laughs> take it all in their stride, don't they? There's not much phase of them. They're pretty uh, cool, uh, calm and uh, relaxed, aren't they? They sure are. So the volunteers, again, that head out there to promote our breed for us, um, they do an absolutely wonderful job. And talking of Gap, um, I know I mentioned a few weeks ago about the new muzzle off-law that is being... Um, implemented, I guess, introduced is the better word, on the 1st of January 2019. So GRV have now launched the new campaign in order to raise awareness about the unmuzzling of all non-racing greyhounds. Um, They've made it quite clear that greyhounds should never be off the lead, and that is in dog parks where people think, oh, it's an enclosed area. I mean, I just cringe at the thought of that. Excuse me, no matter how quiet your greyhound is, Um, There are designated slipping tracks that people can take their retired dogs to that the trainers use. But again, I just don't feel the need for a retired dog to have to do... It's nice to see them run, but if they're not conditioned for running, they might pull a Mm. hammy or something like that. Um, But I, I just think people, as long as they're aware that their instinct button can just kick in at any moment, um, they, it will, it will go well, but I think GRV are doing a great job in keeping up this um, information and education and hopefully common sense will prevail across. Yep, absolutely well said. All right, Simone, time to have a chat to our first guest on today's show and that is Des Dooley. What's making news around the kennels? Racing. El Gran Senor missed the start, winning a D-Winter, going out hard now. El Gran Senor's going to go through and take the lead out of the straight. They've jammed up behind him and he's pinched a break now. Raced out by five to Diner Obelia, followed by Symmetry. Up into midfield goes at the head of the rest, D-Winter. The other four virtually out of the race. Ambola Bale, followed by Messi, Aston Galilee, fell and out of credit. It's El Gran Senor a mile in front in the Melbourne Cup. The reigning top gun winner is going to add the Melbourne Cup to the mantelpiece with a brilliant win. El Gran Senor over Symmetry D Winter and they're followed further out by Diner Obelia. And joining me this morning on Talking Greyhounds is the club manager at Sale, Des Dooley. Des, you were there that night. Um, can you describe the atmosphere? Oh, it was a tremendous atmosphere. Um, as you just heard in Rob Tester's call, um, El Gran Senor missed the start, but he actually, what Rob didn't mention, it, he actually got decked and went right down on his tummy and picked himself up and... Um, just burst his way through the pack and got to the front. And um, it was a night that I'll never forget because coming off the bat when he got to the five or six lengths clear, the crowd upstairs behind the glass, they actually all start to applaud. We always get cheering at Greyhound Racing, but they actually, it was 
applause, and I had never heard that before. And I think that was just respect because um, people recognised what a big effort it had been from the dog to pick himself up and just burst through in that quality of field. I was there that night too, Des. I was behind the boxes uh, working with Sky, and um, it was just it was phenomenal. It really was, and I think. The thing that um, really resonated with a lot of people with Al Grand Senor is the fact that he was trained by someone who'd bred him herself and reared and owned and trained. And it was just that little flicker of hope, I guess, for the majority of trainers who do do it as a hobby, thinking, well, that's something that I could possibly do one day. It, it was, and we'd gone through a period there where the top trainers had dominated for a long time in the big races and... And it was great to see a, a smaller-scale trainer um, to win the big races, albeit um, the fact that Carolyn has been a very successful trainer and breeder um, for many years, not not on a commercial scale, but um, there's probably no better conditioner and trainer around than what Carolyn is. Uh, I agree with you there. Last year I went out to her property to film a segment on El Gran Senor for the Greyhound Racing Hall of Fame, which he was inducted into and the property is immaculate. The kennels, I mean, you could live in them yourself. The beds look very cosy there. And interestingly, he he was about nine and a half at the time, but he didn't have any grey hairs around his muzzle. He was just uh, still jet black. Oh, he, he's a, a magnificent um, specimen of a greyhound, and you know, he beautifully conformed, and, and the temperament, you just wouldn't beat the temperament of uh, our grand senor. And we were lucky at sale to have him here um, for kids' nights and you know, kids' day out promotions and deliberately going around. and He was more aggressive in um, giving attention to the kids and receiving it back from the kids and, um, than the lure. And he, he was just a magnificent dog. Carolyn was great for the club, wasn't she? She was always happy to help promote it and bring him around to events. She was, and um, Carolyn also, when he went to start, was very generous in um, giving um, services, which... I know raised a lot of money in around the clubs um, for you know, things like breast cancer awareness and that type of thing. And um, yeah, I think we we were all very grateful for that contribution that Carolyn made on behalf of our grand senior. Let's have a look at his racing career, Dev. Uh, Des, forty three starts, thirty five wins and five placings, five hundred and thirty three thousand dollars in stakes, three Group Ones, three Group Twos, three track records. 2010 Victorian and Agra Greyhound of the Year. 25 of those wins were in Best of the Night. You've been in the game a long, long time. Where does he rank amongst some of the champions that you've seen? I believe I have not seen a more explosive dog um, for for just for pure speed. Um, The Brett Lees were were brilliant box dogs, but I think this dog for just pure speed because he wasn't a good beginner. And I, I, I rank him right up there. And it was interesting when I was doing a bit of research for the show this morning, um, the three Group 1s and the three Group 2s that he won, he, he earned 400000 By today's figures, that's 800000 And uh, I think on today's figures, the dog would have been a million-dollar earner. And um, that sort of speaks for itself, really. It sure does. Now, he was destined to have a career like this, going on his very first trial. Peter Giles, who was a mentor to Carolyn for many years and still is, he's, she rang him up and she said, the dog, I think there's something wrong with the clock. I think he's clocked the clock. <laughs> and um, the time that he ran, it was just 
absolutely phenomenal. And that was his first trial. I'm not sure what track. You might know that, Des, but that was just a sign of things to come. I think it was at Terralgan, um, and I know that Peter said to me he thought this was the next Brett Lee. And it, just to, to put it into context, and I had a discussion with our track manager just this week, and one of Victoria's top sprinters went around here from the puppy boxes on, on Tuesday and or the Wednesday and went 17-11, which is a very, very quick time. It's a time we haven't seen better for many, many years, and our track manager did remind me that our grand senior went 1686 and 1690, and um, yeah, the dog that went around probably had best sprinter at 17-11. That, oh, that's the wow. speed the dog had. I remember him in the maturity final. He ran a 17.53 down the back at the Meadows. Now, that was getting into times unheard of at the time. Um, a lot of people thought that he lacked strength, but uh, Peter actually begged to differ. He thought the dog was a strong dog. What were your thoughts? It's amazing the perception that um, people within the industry had that um, that's what I kept being told, the dog can't run 500. He had 17 starts for over 500 for 14 wins, and... Mm. Uh, he was run down twice in his life, both mm-hmm. times at Sandown. Um, the only, if you're, you're going to beat him, you really have to beat him at the start, knock him down at the start. Yeah, no, he, absolutely phenomenal. He's probably, um, well, an aptly ter- named, um, an apt term for him would be the king of Gippsland because he dominated Gippsland, he dominated Australia. Well, he dominated um Victoria, at least, anyway. I, I'm not quite sure that he did travel to the state and he had no need to. And Now, he, Carolyn um, took him around. He won the three country cups and um, he. And it was great that he'd done that. And um, I remember one of my fondest memories is the uh, Warrigal Cup and I still say to this day that the Warrigal Cup in uh, 2011 was the strongest provincial race I've ever seen. And um, he just blew him away and it, um, it was... That those dogs in that field that night accumulated two point three million dollars in stake money between them. Wow, and, and that, we're talking that, years ago too. The, that was in, that was in those figures, yeah. Mm. Well, he's been a remarkable greyhound, Des. Um, I've enjoyed watching him. I know you you've enjoyed watching him and everything that you've had to do with the greyhound. So, thanks so much for your time this morning to reflect on the amazing career of El Gran Senor. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk about such a great dog, Simone. Thanks, Des. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And big news this week is the news that Rip and Sam and Tornado Tears will be off the scene for some time. And joining me now on Talking Greyhounds is Robert Britton to explain what um, the next steps are. Good morning, Robert. Hi, Simone. Can you just firstly explain these injuries? Uh, Rip and Sam has done a sesamoid, uh, which is a small... Uh, bone in the front foot. Uh, Tornado Tears has done a hock. Can you just elaborate a little bit more on both those injuries, Robert? Yeah, look, uh, uh, as I say, Rip and Sam did a uh, sesamoid in the runs at home, which is quite unusual. Um, I don't know how he's done it, but it's it's not a... It, it's an injury that should make a full recovery in um, six to eight weeks. Uh, but as I said, it's just time and uh, you, you can't do much about it. Um, as long as they come back, it's fine. Um, with Tornado Tears, it's a hairline crack in the hock. Um, again, these can heal really well, but you, they, to be quite honest, they are a poor um, healing bone. So you've really got to be on top of it. And for that reason, I always give them more time than even the vets say because I believe that uh, 
you, you want to make sure they do come back. You don't want to make you know come back too early and find you've got to do it all over again. So with Rip and Sam and the sesamoid, no surgery. No, both of them will be no surgery. It's uh, it's just time um, and uh, uh, you know like normal um, uh, laser and things like that. So. Uh, we, we won't be uh, doing anything other than rest, and uh, after halfway through the uh, the uh, process, we'll start a walking program, but uh, uh, nothing other than that. So when did Tornado Tears actually come up with his injury, Rob? I mean, his run last Saturday night was, again, just absolutely sensational. He, he looked to get a few little bumps throughout the run. Uh, when did he pull up sore? Yeah, look, it, I never noticed it until we came walked out of the kennels after the last... Um, on Saturday night. You, you don't know really when they did it in the run, but in saying that, um, as they went through the first turn, he looked as though he was running into a clear second and his back legs sort of just buckled. And uh, I remember being at the boxes and my first reaction was, oh, no, he's broken down. Mm. Um, so I do think something did happen there. And you know, luckily for us on the night that he probably hasn't really felt it or realised it even until he's finished and the soreness has come later. But again, um, uh, you know, it's very hard to tell, but that's what it looked like. Both these greyhounds are still quite young. Um, do you look at this as the fact it could possibly be a bit of a blessing in disguise or is it a real pain because you don't get a lot of staying races anyway and to keep these dogs up, you know, you've got to bring them right back from the start again. How do you view this um, layoff? Yeah, I, I think I think if they were sprinters, Simone, I'd be uh, more relaxed about having time off. Being stayers, we struggle to get uh, regular runs in the elite level. Uh, so you do have time off in between runs anyway. So uh, if for that reason, you don't really need any extra time off. But I guess... The timing is the biggest problem, and we're going to miss three mm. uh, really important group races, being the Sydney Cup, the Bold Trees, and the Stayers Top Gun. Uh, so, in reality, we've sort of missed missed the spring, I guess. So, but but again, I, I'm pretty relaxed about it. In that, if they come back to their best and everything's good, um, they'll they'll have the opportunity to have a you know really good next year as well. So, I'm not. Um, I always figure if you can, uh, with stayers, you, you like to think they can run for a little bit longer than uh, sprinters. But, and as I said, the main thing is full recovery. Get full recovery and uh, we'll be in the game for a long time. And I guess when they do come back to the track, being stayers, you would expect less knocks and bumps and checks. So that's probably in their favour as well for the time they do make it back to the track. Yeah, and that's the reason I think that stayers um, probably last a little bit longer than sprinters, simply because... It's not the rough and tumble. of uh, It's more like a marathon race rather than a sprint. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, Robert, um, I know you've heard your dad say this, Alan Britton, and I've heard him say it many, many times that in greyhound training, you can go from chocolates to boiled lollies in a real hurry. And I guess uh, <laughs> it's no truer, um, no truer words than that at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the pressure's off. We can we can <laughs> we can have a relaxed time for the next couple of months and and work on the dogs. But but again, um, you know, the tension of having really good dogs like that up all the time. Uh, uh, sometimes it does get to you a little bit. But um, again, I'd probably prefer that than uh, the, the boiled lollies bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Anyway, look, thanks for joining us, Robert. I know you've got a busy night tonight up at Wentworth Park and the Meadows and all the rest of it, but um, we appreciate getting the lowdown on the two top chasers.
No problem. Thanks, Simone. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. What you got for us this week, Simone? I know I sound like a broken record, Trent, but are you going to argue with me? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Tornado Tears in the Top Gap Video Cup last week at the Meadows. It's just, just breathtaking again. The other Greyhound, Barkali at Wentworth Park, at 29-12. I mean, you don't see those times very often at all. So he's a very honourable mention. Your dog to follow from last week was? It, extreme justice, but he hasn't had a start this week, so keep your eye on him anyway. And my dog to follow this week is my reflection for Shona Thompson. It ran third in a maiden final at Cranbourne on Wednesday, started the $1.80 favourite, was slow early from box eight, last out, caught wide and made up loads of ground, was only beaten a couple of lengths. It has run a 30 and 17 there and that was at only its second start, which is a good strong run at Cranbourne. So all up now, it's had three starts for a win a second and a third. So keep your eye on my reflection. And you're going to Cranbourne tonight for your best bet of the week. I am. Race six, number two, Hillside Lady. She drops in class. She's well boxed. Uh, can be a little bit tardy early and her recent form does not suggest um, what she's capable of. But I think she has a good chance to get back into the winner's circle tonight. All right. And there's a gap adoption day coming up. On October the 6th at Sandown. And also the Great Chase Heats continue the final of that towards the end of October. Good stuff, Simone. We are out of time this morning. We say goodbye. We say keep those tails wagging. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, good luck to you if your team is in the AFL Grand Final. Simone, thanks, and uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll do it all again next week. Sure will. We'll be uploading the best of today's Talking Greyhounds to rsn.net.au.